The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today. I hope you're having a great week and a great weekend, and uh, hopefully it's already getting better just uh, being here today with the presence of God and His people and uh, uh, just a great time of worship already this morning. Uh, again, welcome. We are in uh, week four of At the Movies, this, this series where we take a look at current or popular movies that people are, are watching or talking about, and then we use them as a hook or a springboard to talk about spiritual truth. Now, I know what the ladies have been thinking, and the thought is something like this. Ugh, come on, Pastor Chris. You know, so far it's been Star Wars, Captain America, X-Men, you know, science fiction, superheroes, and testosterone. Uh, this, this is just, I knew it, this is just like last year when you picked all of your favorite movies and did not have a love story or a, or a musical among them. Uh, Pastor Chris, when are you going to do a chick flick? Well, ladies, I have heard your cry, and today is your day, okay? Here we go. Raise your hand if you have either seen the movie or read the book, Me Before You. Okay, all the ladies, okay, several ladies here. Uh, Now, for all the men who either raised your hand or were afraid to raise your hand, you can turn in your man card with your connect card at the end of the service in the blue buckets. No, just joking. I actually, uh, I, you know, typically for this series, I do my best to try to go see all the movies. At the very least, I read everything that you can read about the movies, and, and I'm very prepared for what the subject matter is and where I could go with my sermon. Uh, but, uh, but I do my best to see the movie. So I had not yet seen Me Before You until last night. Jan and I went on a date night, and uh, we went to go see... Uh, me before you, so I'll turn in my man card, right? But actually, it was good because she was crying, and I got to comfort her, so that was great. Um, but uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Me Before You, it, it is a romantic drama uh, based on the novel of the same name, and it tells the story, uh, the two main characters, tells the story of Louisa Clark. She is this perky, hardworking chatty, funny, fun, full of life, you know, glasses always half full, optimistic young woman uh, who's been laid off from her job in search of another job, and she finds work uh, caring for Will Trainer. Will Trainer is uh, wheelchair-bound from an accident, and uh, Will, at least in the very beginning of the movie, he is the exact opposite of Louisa Clark in every way. I mean, this guy, uh, from his own you know, mouth, he is thoughtless, uh, selfish, negative, cynical. Now, spoiler alert. Okay, so if you're going to go see the movie, put your fingers in your ear now and go, no, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening, okay? Spoiler alert, they fall in love. I know, you, you didn't know it was coming, right? The, the, they fall in love, you know. Now, Okay, here we go. Double spoiler alert. You ready? Okay, again, put your fingers in here if you're going to go see the movie. Actually, it's only playing like one time Citadel Mall and then like over in Mount Pleasant. It's not playing a lot of places anymore. I wonder why. Anyway, okay, so (laughs) 
double spoiler alert. He was planning on taking his life the whole movie, and at the end he kills himself. Okay, there we go. Um, I know, some of you are upset. You're not going to go see the movie now, which I don't care. But, um, no. Now, I, I realize where you think I'm going to probably go with today's message. In fact, um, you could read a, a lot of uh, Christian blogs and, and a lot of Christian circles today. Uh, this movie actually has created uh, a lot of controversy, um, specifically over uh, euthanasia. Uh, and the value of human life. And I found myself, you know, honestly a little angry, you know, watching the movie. Um, and, 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 and honestly, that would be an easy hook. I mean, I could, I could very easily this morning, you know, open up the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we could talk about uh, how the Bible teaches that our bodies are not our own. Uh, they belong to God. And, 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 and more importantly, this is what I could talk about. How every life, Every life, even those lives that our culture and our world might deem somehow less than, uh, every life has tremendous value. And because of that, because that life was created in the image of God, you know, our life has, has value and meaning and God has a plan for you. Now, uh, I, could, I could go there. And that, that would be, in, to my mind, a very easy hook. And, uh, but that's another sermon for another day. Uh, today, here's what I want to do. Because at its core, and, and definitely this is what most people are talking about, uh, it is a relationship movie, and it is billed as a great love story. And that's what I want us to talk about today. I want to talk about love. Uh, what is love? You know, that's kind of a, an obvious question, and you, you, people talk about that a lot and try to answer that question. Here's what I think. Love is not an emotion. Love is not sex. Now, years and years ago, I remember one of the first uh, relationship series uh, messages that I did here at Coastal. I remember actually looking in the encyclopedia. Anybody remember what encyclopedias were? I mean, you could actually go to a book and open it up and look for something. Um, now we just Google it. But I remember looking up love. And you know what it said? This is so funny to me. It said, love, see emotion, and see sex. And, and that's what the world screams at us, right? I mean, that is exactly what the world teaches. That, that's what you see in every movie today, too, by the way, that love is a feeling, uh, love is an emotion, love is physical, love is sexual. And I believe that's why people fall in and out of love today, like they fall in and out of a ditch, right? Because love is not... I mean, love encompasses sexuality. It obviously encompasses emotions. But real love, lasting love, is a commitment. It is. It, it, it is a choice. It, it's actually choosing, making that commitment and that choice to, to treat somebody else the way that you want to be treated and even better. Now listen to this. Regardless of how you feel, and regardless of how they respond. That's love. You know what that is? That's you before me. That's love. Now, every single person in this room, because we're all in relationships in one way, shape, or another, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make is how, how you're going to do life how you're going to choose to do relationships. Now, you can choose to live your life like the, one of the characters of this movie, Will Trainer, 
You can choose to live life me before you. Or you can choose to live life like Louisa. You before me. Now, the way of the world is me before you. The way of Jesus is you before me. Here's what I believe. A great relationship. A great, great marriage. It is this beautiful thing where a man, a husband, puts his wife's needs ahead of his own. And when a wife puts the husband's needs ahead of her own. When both of them are living you before me. Man, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's this beautiful circle of love where where both of their needs get met. Now, listen to me. And I, I am convinced of this. If you would simply apply what I'm going to be talking about today, if you would choose the way of Jesus in your relationships, in your marriage, in your dating, in, in, with your children, I, I'm, I'm telling you something, it will completely, totally revolutionize your life. And it will revolutionize your relationships. Now, what we're going to do today is I want us to break down, in my mind, a passage of Scripture that contains this beautiful picture of you before me life, okay? And I use this passage, by the way, 99% of the time in every marriage that I perform, every marriage ceremony. Philippians chapter two is where it's found, beginning with verse one. Paul writes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, being one in purpose. Now, wouldn't you like to be able to say, wow, that verse right there, that describes my marriage. That describes our, our relationship. Think about that for a second. What does he say? He says, we're like-minded, we're one in love, one in spirit, one in mind, one, one in purpose. And, and you read that, and you think, wow, that's a pretty lofty you know, picture of, of a relationship. How in the world does that happen? I mean, how does that take place? Well, he explains it, okay? Follow along as I read Philippians 2, verse 3. And again, this is you before me living. And again, I, I quote this next passage in almost every marriage ceremony that I perform, many of your marriages that I've done. Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now stop right there for a second. You before me relationships, they do not selfishly compete with each other. There's not this selfish competition. Now, I don't know if you know this about your pastor, but I am highly competitive, okay? I am. If we play a board, board game together, it's gonna get really ugly really fast. You're gonna doubt that I'm even a believer, okay? Um, you know, one of the reasons that uh, my weight loss this year has been what it's been and that uh, bod for God 
you know, we had this, uh, you know, team challenge. That was good for me because I'm competitive. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll just show you just how, how screwed up I am, okay? Um, several years ago, this probably was about, I don't know, five to eight years ago, uh, over at Oakland Elementary School, uh, they, they had a program called Lunch Buddies. Okay, Lunch Buddies. That, it sounds really, you know, nice and sweet and everything, right? And, and the idea was, you know, some adults would come and just spend some time with some students and, you know, encourage them and that kind of thing. And so, and sometimes, you know, during our time together after lunch, we'd have some more time and they would have this table where they'd set out uh, board games and uh, card games and other things that you could play with your lunch buddy. And, and listen to me, even when I am playing Candyland, with an eight-year-old who just needs some love and encouragement. There is this darkness in my soul that just wants him to land in molasses swamp so bad. I mean, I am messed up. I mean, who else would admit this morning that you are highly competitive? Raise your hand. See, you even put your hand up fast, didn't you? Because you want to beat somebody. You know, you are messed up. Anyway, now... But what this verse says about relationships is that you've got to remove any element of selfish competition. In other words, here's what I'm talking about. Stop trying to prove that you're smarter than that person. You know, don't, don't underscore with, with sarcasm and put-downs where, where you think they are weak and you're strong. Stop leveraging situations that, that, you know, always put you in the winner's circle. You know, instead, here's what, what he's saying. You've got to do your part to make them look successful. You've got to try to put them in situations where they shine, where they win. He, here's the bottom line. This is what I'm saying. It doesn't always have to be about you. And if it is, that is selfish competition. And I see a lot of marriages today and a lot of relationships where husbands and wives and girlfriends or boyfriends, they're not complimenting each other as much as they are competing with each other. He says here, do nothing out of selfish ambition. The Phillips version of that verse says, never act from motives of rivalry. By the way, ultimately... I don't have to prove myself and I don't have to compete with other people if I understand who I am. If I understand how much God really loves me. If I, I have a deep understanding that I am a child of the king, that I am his son or his daughter. So you before li me living doesn't selfishly compete. You before me living, uh, relationships are not conceded. Secondly, not conceded. Look at the next part of this verse. Again, do nothing out of selfish ambition or what? Or vain conceit. In other words, don't just do things just to show off all the time. Don't, don't try to you know, put yourself in situations where it's all about you getting praise or glory from other people. You know, and that's true in every area of life, by the way. You know, you, you see this, like, whether it's a, in, in the workplace or in, in athletics. I mean, especially, you know, in athletics today, all it takes is one player, one player with an out-of-control ego 
And then it just ruins team spirit. It ruins team chemistry. That's true in relationships. In fact, look at the next verse, uh, Proverbs 13, 10. It says, pride only breeds what? Quarrels. Listen, every couple ought to commit that verse to memory. Pride only breeds quarrels. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in an argument where you just flat out knew you were wrong? But... You couldn't bring yourself to admit it because of your pride. That happens to Janet all the time. I just, I just know it does. I know it does. Anyway. No, in fact, okay, because sometimes, you know, we do relationship uh, messages. I know sometimes the single adults, oh, it's all about marriage. Let, let me let you in on a little secret relationally, single adults. This is for you. And by the way, this is especially for single women here today. The more secure you are, Okay, The more secure you are in who you are as a human being, who you are as a daughter of the king, who God made you to be, the more you let God just love you, the less likely you are to be attracted to a conceited, prideful jerk. Because insecure women, they are easy prey and they settle because you don't know who you are. You don't know how beautiful you are. You don't know who you truly belong to and what he says about you. You see, if the person you are dating always has to be right, if the person you are dating is an expert on everything, listen to me. You ready? Run! Get out now. Get out now. Listen, there's a different... Oh, but Pastor Chris, he's just so confident. No, he's not. He's a jerk. And everybody around you knows it. There's a difference between confidence and pride. But because of your insecurity, you've told yourself that he's confident and he's not. He's arrogant. True confidence, listen to this. It flows from a humble walk with God. That's confidence. Pride always flows out of selfishness. You before me living. You before me relationships are also humble. Humility. Look at the rest of that verse. Verses three and four, it says, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Man, that is a radical concept for today's relationships. I mean, look at these words. Think of these phrases. Humility, treat others better than yourself, others' interest. I mean, that is the exact opposite of, of me before you, the culture where we live today, where, where we've elevated selfishness to an art form. Now, let's talk about this. What is humility? Because I think we're kind of messed up on that one too. Humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. In other words, it's just not about you. The focus isn't on you. Your focus, you are others-centered rather than being self-centered. Relationally, it's about valuing other people, making other people feel important. In other words, you make this choice. Again, go back to that word, choice. You make the commitment to value this other person above yourself. 
And man, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing when both people are doing that to each other. You, you, you live as if, you respond as if the other person is actually and literally more important than you. Now think about a situation for a second where it's clear that everybody else in the room is, is more important than you. Where somebody, someone in particular in this room, in the room that you're in, is more important, has more value in that moment than you do. Now, probably just about everybody in this room, we've all been to a wedding at some point in time, you know, whatever the wedding ceremony was like, you know, whatever, you know, pomp and circumstance there might have been, big wedding, small wedding. In a lot of weddings today, not in all weddings, but in many, after the wedding, after the ceremony, they, they line everybody up that was in the wedding party. It's called a what? Receiving line. Okay? Now, if you've ever been to a wedding that had a receiving line, I doubt very many of you went home after the wedding and went, man, I cannot believe it. I go to that stupid wedding and there's no receiving line for me. You know, nobody shook my hand. Nobody went to hug me. It's all about the bride. You know, she's so selfish. Gotta all be about her. Right? I mean, no, you would not think that. It would be ridiculous for you to think that. Why? Because you know that in that moment, in that situation, she's the most important person in the room. Now, let me ask you a question. What if you brought that same mentality, that same attitude to your relationship that you have with that person that you say that you love? What if you could bring that sort of palpable sense, that, that real sense to them that they thought, at least to you, they were always the most important person in the room? I mean, how would that change things? Now, I, I do want to make a couple of exceptions to what I'm talking about. I want to be really clear. If you are in an abusive relationship, listen to me for a moment. I am not telling you to stay in that relationship and to be a doormat. I'm not saying that. In fact, I'm begging you to get out and to get help. That would be the bravest, smartest thing that you could do. Or if you are here today and you are in a highly dysfunctional, codependent relationship, like he or she is going on their fourth or fifth affair, I am not saying, well, you know, he's the most important person in the room and he's got to have his needs met, you know? No, he's a big fat jerk and he needs to repent and change the way he's living. I'm not telling you just to turn a blind eye and to be a doormat. So if you're in one of those situations, I'm not talking to you. And you need help and hope. And it's found in Christ and it's found in and believers, and we can help you. But back to the text. You know, it's interesting, the Greek word here says to look. Each of you should look. And the word there in Greek, it's skopos, and it's where we get our word for scope. Think about like a, a scope on a rifle. It's like hone in on it, telescope in on it. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, pay attention to the needs of other people. Hone in on their needs. And that sounds so simple, and yet it's so profound today in our culture because we don't do this. And that's why there's so many problems today in marriage because so many people are living me before you. That, that's why we have problems with our kids. That's why we have problems with, with the people that we work with because we just don't, in general, pay attention to the needs of other people. 
And he says, stop looking just at your own interest and hone in on the interest of others. Let me ask you, could you name, you know, the five greatest needs or interests of your husband or your wife? The people that you're in relationship with, your kids, your, your, your coworkers? I mean, it's just so easy to get so wrapped up in ourselves. And we become insensitive and we, you know, we come home from work and we're tired and we just want to veg out and hone in on television or the computer. And we forget that there are other people all around us that we say that we love. And yet all we're doing ultimately is paying attention to ourselves. I mean, what he's saying here today, listen to me, it's so simple and yet it's so profound and so practical. Look at your outline. Stop competing. Stop being conceited. Humble yourself. And finally, he says, live like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Verse five, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, that sounds simple again, because we, we ought to know that, right? I mean, we're, we say we're followers of Jesus. We're Christians. That means we're, we're little Christ. I mean, he's our model. He's our example. And so if you, if you say you want to live you before me, then you look to Jesus. In fact, it says here, have the same mindset, the same attitude of Jesus. Okay, well, Pastor Chris, what's that? What was his attitude? What was his mindset? Well, it's explained here in the next two or three verses. Really quickly, look at this with me. Verse six, though he was God, he didn't demand and cling to his rights as God. What's he saying there? He's saying he didn't demand his own rights. I mean, you never read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. You never see Jesus running around going, I've got my rights. Let, let, let me tell you something. The person who yields his rights to God gets God as his defender. He didn't demand his rights. He, it says he willingly gave them up, verse 7. But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What's that? What's that attitude of Jesus? He had a servant's heart. He had a servant's heart. What about you in your relationships? Could that be said of you? That you have a servant's heart? That you have that, that mind of Christ? Verse 8, it says, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death. Even death where? On a cross. What's that about? What's that mindset? He was willing to sacrifice for the benefit of other people. And yet, all of that, that entire thing, you know, not demanding your rights, having a servant's heart, sacrificing for the benefit of others, that is so totally different from what this world teaches. And it's why relationships are falling apart. Let me just say one simple fact, though. It is impossible for you to live that way on your own. It is. It's just flat out impossible for you or me to live you before me on our own. Because left to ourselves, our nature, our bent is think of myself only. It's all about me. Put myself in the winner's circle. Put myself in the spotlight. The, the focus is to live me before you. Listen, you can't live you before me with your wife or with your husband. You can't do that by yourself. He says here, let this mindset, let this attitude be in you 
that was in Christ Jesus. Don't you see? That's why in relationships, in a marriage, that's why you need Jesus. That's why he's our hope. That's why we point people to him. Because if Jesus is in you and Jesus is in your spouse, Jesus finds a way to work with Jesus. Now, here's what it comes down to. You're going to face a crossroads every single day in your relationships. And you got a choice. Again, love is a choice. And you're going to have to choose between two things. Selfishness or unselfishness. Your way or the way of Jesus. Now, it says here that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. One translation says something to be selfishly held on to. But he took on what? He took on the appearance of a man and he became a servant. Now, I mean, in fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home today and I want you to read through Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. Read it slowly. Read it by yourself. Read it worshipfully. And, and when, if you'll do that, you're going to want to stop and, and, and you're going to shake your head and you're going to go, what? Je- Jesus? Jesus became What? I mean, Jesus, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Christ. He is the creator. He is the bright and morning star. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. He is the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is almighty God. Jesus, you did what? You became nothing? Hold up. And Jesus in your heart will go, I know. Yeah, but, but Jesus, you deserve. And Jesus will say, I know. But Jesus, you, you have rights. And Jesus says, I know. But I chose to go a different way. And I'm going to show you what you before me love is really like. Now, here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma that Jesus faced. He was in the exalted place on the throne of the universe. He had rights. He owns the entire universe. The Bible teaches that the earth and everything in it belongs to him listen to me he is the one who is due all praise and glory and adoration for all time but there was a dilemma you and i were born with this sort of tragic tragic sick condition down at our core there is this darkness to our heart and our soul and it pulls us toward selfishness and ugliness and it causes all of these conflicts in our relationships and all in this world it is like a disease and just like a disease though where you can't just make it better by having a better attitude and mustering up a lot of willpower to get over it you need an outside intervention you need a vaccine you need a healing 
And Jesus knew that. He knew the condition that you and I were born into. And so here's his dilemma. He knows that you and I are in desperate need of a healing because of that sin sickness within us. And so he could. He could choose to stay up in heaven and protect his rights and get all that he deserved or he could lay it all down. He could lay down the adoration. He could lay down his rights. He could lay down what he deserved to restore a relationship with you and to heal our disease. Don't you see? That's exactly what happened at the cross. It says here, he became a servant unto death, death on a what? A cross. There were a lot of things happening that day on that cross. But one of those things was this. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so he had the immune system necessary. He could take all of your sickness, all of your disease and my disease, and he could take it inside of him. And his immune system was powerful enough to beat that sin sickness and overcome it. And three days later, he proved it by rising from the dead and he is alive. And now, he's willing to give you that vaccination. And it's called amazing grace. And not only will it wash you clean and forgive you, and puts you in a right standing before God, it actually begins to heal that selfish part in you and in me. And over time, we are slowly transformed by his grace. So here was Jesus' dilemma. He could stay in heaven, protect his rights, or he could lay it all down and choose you. But he knew he couldn't do both. He couldn't have both. He chose. Again, remember, that's what love is, right? It's a commitment. It's, it's a choice. He chose, you ready for this? You. Before him. That that's the way of Jesus. In fact, Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, who for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And again, you read that and you're thinking, well, what in the world was the joy set before him? I mean, what, what was the joy that made him endure all of that agony, all of that pain, all of those beatings? What how in the world, what would make him want to give up all of that adoration, give up all the glory of heaven? It was you. It was you. You were the joy. He willingly gave up everything for you. And this passage says that you and I, you ready for this? Should have the same attitude of Jesus. That's how relationships are done. 
You see, a hundred times a day, if not that, you are going to hit a crossroads where you've got to decide, is it all about me? Am I going to protect my rights? Or am I going to lay it down and choose to live like Jesus, you, before me? Because you can't have it both ways. Let me ask you, again, did Jesus have it both ways? No. Can you? No. Now, is it worth it? Yes. Is it risky? Yeah. Think about it this way. Who did Jesus die for? Everyone, right? Everyone. Well, is everyone in a right relationship with Jesus? And yet he did it anyway. Here's your choice. You can try to spend the rest of your life always having to be in the winner's circle. You can always try to get what you deserve, protecting your rights, saying, no, I'm the most important person in the room. You can do that. A lot of people do. A lot of people try relationships that way. You can go the rights path. You can go the me path. But the other choice is this. You can follow Jesus and go the way of you before me. By the way, what happened to Jesus? Because he chose the way of you before me. What happened to him? Verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what God does when you choose the way of Jesus. Let let me ask you a question. Have you done that? The Bible says that one day everybody in this room you will all bow the knee and you all confess that Jesus really is who he says he is, what the word of God says about him. Every person that's ever been created will bow their knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You will either do that one day in great, great worship and adoration The trumpet will sound and the sky will split and Jesus will return or he will call you home. And you will say that in great worship. Or it will be too late and you will say it in great fear and terror. The choice is yours. Love is a choice. And you can make that choice today to come home 
to be forgiven, to have the slate wiped clean, to have a right standing before God, and have a home assured in heaven for all eternity. And he can give you and your spouse, by the way, together the power, the energy from within to live this way, to live you before me. You need him to do that. Why not make that choice today? You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.